Welcome to the Discover Universal podcast. Keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle. And watch your step on the moving walkway because we're taking you park to park to prepare you for your next visit. Let's Discover Universal. Welcome to the Discover Universal podcast. I'm Carrie and I'm ready for my close-up. Getting close up to the characters at Halloween Horror Nights. Ooh, and I'm David, and I was almost a character at Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood. Were you? Yes, I went to the audition. They gave me my audition number. My number was 666. No, And not. I said, "Is do I get it automatically? And they were like, yeah, basically. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We are talking about Halloween Horror Nights, but on our other coast, Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, the creatives over there, John Murdy and Brandy Creason, are going to be walking us through all of the scare zones, the haunted houses, the terror tram, uh, and all the exciting details about this year's event. I can't wait. Let's get into it. Well, Carrie. Yes. Today is a wonderful change of pace. It is. We are talking about our our sister park. Yes. On the West Coast, Universal Studios Hollywood. And uh, I mean, I'm just as excited for Halloween Horror Nights on the West Coast as I am here. Absolutely. I might be more excited because I never attended the event in Hollywood. So I'm excited to learn from the creative minds over there. David, what are you most excited to learn about today? I am most excited to learn about, uh, personally, the Terror Tram. Ooh. Because that is one of the kind of offerings unique to Universal Studios Hollywood. Yeah. They have the amazing world-famous studio tour. Bingo. And uh, they they utilize that in a very unique and horrifying way for Halloween Horror Nights where – uh, I believe, uh, you know, I, the guests actually are able to get off the tram and walk through like some of those sets and oh, on the back lot. So uh, excited to hear more about that. That's that some gets, really cool stuff. That gets spooky. Yeah. So this thing kicks off on Thursday, September 7th, and it runs select nights all the way through October 31st. That's Halloween. Culminating in my favorite day of the year. All builds up. I love it. To the night. As I as I understand it, there are eight haunted houses. There's some scare zones scattered in, like you said, the, the terror tram. There's some live entertainment, uh, there's themed food and beverages, and select rides and attractions that are usually open during daily operations may also be running during the event. Well, that's a very nice change of pace. Yes. You know, if you need a break from the screaming, you can scream, but on a, yeah, on a ride on a instead ride, right? of a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's time to get these minds out here. Oh, I, I cannot wait to hear about this. Let's do it. We are going to welcome John Murdy, creative director and executive producer of Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood, and Brandy Creason, the production designer of Universal Studios Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> hey, listeners, we are very excited to be here in the Radio Broadcast Center here at Universal Orlando Resort, and we are welcoming our friends from uh, another coast here That's today. That's right. We're bi-coastal today. Yes, this we is are. very exciting. Uh, super pumped to be hanging out with John Murdy and Brandy Creason. They are sort of the gurus of Universal Hollywood's Halloween Horror Nights. Welcome, both of you. Welcome. And actually, you're international because I'm talking to you from Ireland right now. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> even better. Okay. We would love for each of you to introduce yourselves and just let us know your connection to the event. Sure. I'm John Murdy. I'm the creative director, executive producer of Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood. And I have been doing that since we brought back Halloween Horror Nights to Hollywood in 2006. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's awesome. 
Long time. Talk to Brandy now. Yeah, Brandy. Uh, awesome. All right. I'm Brandy Creason, and I am uh, assistant to Chris Williams, our art director. I am a production designer in our entertainment department. And I actually have been working with Chris Williams since 1999 Whoa. at Universal, doing all kinds of other stuff. But yeah, when we relaunched in 2006 with Halloween Horror Nights, I was kind of right by his side on board and with it ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. With it from the very beginning. So you've seen a lot of <laughs> lot of changes, a lot of growth, I'm sure, yeah? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. First year we did Horror Nights, if I'm not mistaken, in Hollywood, which was 2006. We had two houses, mm. and oh. the event ran seven nights. Yeah. So yeah, it's changed. <laughs> it's it's over the years we you know, I think we all at Universal have collectively go. Oh, Sorry, as my creepy clock chimes in the background. <laughs> Sorry. I like it. So what I was going to say is I think, you know, all of everyone who works on Halloween Horror Nights across, you know, the company, whether it's in Hollywood, Orlando, Japan, Singapore, we've all collectively created a monster as it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always I always refer to our project as it's a beast of a project. It literally is because it has just it, it has legs of its own and and the the scope and and size and breadth of it has it, it blows my mind, it, you know, how we keep up with it. And it also, everybody's always like, oh, you work on it 365 days a Absolutely. year? Really? Halloween? It's like, yes, you you, you have no idea. <laughs> I can't imagine if you didn't. I mean, there's so much to cover. And that is what we are doing here today. We well, want to yeah. know what's going on. We are ready for the full reveal. Well, I, I was going to say, for our fans, it's become a year-long obsession as well. Like Absolutely. The, the lead-up to Halloween Horror Nights and, and anxiously awaiting to hear uh, you know, what what stories we're going to be screaming about this year. <laughs> right. Uh, what, or what we're going to be terrified of. What worlds we're going to be immersed in. <laughs> Um, it is always a big time of year, so that's what we're doing here today. We are we're very happy to have you join us to to kind of reveal um, our 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 horrifying menu, if if you will, yes. for for Halloween Horror Nights 2023 at Universal Studios Hollywood. So we'd love to kind of give you the floor and and have you take us through everything. Uh, all right, let's talk about Stranger Things Four. Stranger Things has a long history at Halloween Horror Nights, uh, going back to 2018. This is the third time we featured Stranger Things at our event, but this year it's focused 100% on season four. And I know as soon as you know myself and all the people who work on Halloween Horror Nights got to view season four of Stranger Things, even the first episode, we oh, were yeah. like, this is made to be a haunted house. Yes. Uh, there's so much content to draw from. Obviously, you know, the main villain is Vecna, uh, but we get to take you, you know, to the different places that were featured in the series from, you know, the trailer park where uh, Vecna's curse first unfolds when he murders poor Chrissy Cunningham. Poor Chrissy. Um, you know, we take you to the lab in the desert, you know, re-engage with Dr. Brenner and see how Eleven first opened the portal into the Upside Down and inadvertently let Vecna into our world. Um, and then... You know, the big climax is in the Creel house and Vecta's realm. I call it like the deconstructed Creel house because all of it's like bits and parts and pieces that are, you know, floating in, in air. Um, so it's it's a monster of a haunted house. And, awesome. and Brandy, like, what would you say about Stranger Things? 
Oh my goodness. I think like the the beauty and the textures and, and all of that, you know, we definitely get to introduce. And that's the exciting part for, for at least my team being in the art department is uh, again, you know, just just bringing that to life visually, you know, what, what John writes and, and then pulling all the pieces together and then being able to recreate the imagery from the show and, and trying to recreate it um you know, cost effectively and, <laughs> yeah. and all of those things as well. So it's, it's, you know, that that's the best part of our job. Oh man. I can't, when I think of Stranger Things 4, I think of, you know, that, that red and black kind of low lit Vecna area with all that stuff yeah. sort of floating in the air that, 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 like you said, Brandy, really rich imagery. And it's fun because we get to bounce back and forth between the upside down and the real world. Sure. So, you know, as a, as a guest going through it, you're going to get, you know, visual whiplash, if you will, <laughs> as you're, um, you, you know, toes. going, even like you go into the Creel house and it's the old, de- you know, de- you know, decrepit Creel house that exists in modern day. And then you turn a corner and suddenly you're in the upside down part of the Creel house. So it has a lot of different textures, uh, you know, and I think of all the Stranger Things seasons that we've seen and the ones we've featured at the event, this is by far the scariest. So we're excited oh. to bring it to life for our fans. I'm excited already. Yeah. And there's seven more haunted houses. I can't I, I can't believe this. All right. Um, Starting with a bang. Yeah. How about next up, The Last of Us? Oh my um, goodness. What? Back to back. Double whammy. <laughs> yeah. You know what's cool about this? There's lots of things that are cool about The Last of Us, but what's particularly cool is um, we've never done a house at Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood that has been a hundred percent focused on a video game. We've wow. talked about it over the years. We've just never done it. And that's what The Last of Us is. It's it's focused 100% on the video game created by Naughty Dog. What's cool about that is The Last of Us, if you look at the world of video games, what I think is unique about The Last of Us is it's so story-driven, you know, telling the story of the two main characters and their journey together. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it has a heck of a lot of really scary characters, which so in scary. the... <laughs> language of the last of us are called the infected and we're going to bring all of them to life so that's you know the runners the clickers and even the bloaters so um i think guests going through this house are going to dig all of the details and easter eggs that we mined from the video game but also they're going to be scared to death and I'll toss it to Brandy because yeah. this what is it's another huge scenic challenge. You know? <laughs> yeah, scenic challenge definitely. But like, like John said, kind of sticking to um, to the the game look and recreating again all the textures. And I actually call this house our our lush house because mm, it's just oh, yeah. going to be full of lush greenery and has overtaken everything and it's it's one of the first times that we've actually been able to to do that more with the that that kind of full foliage and greenery type of side of 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 a look so introducing that and again just following those really deep um environmental textures that game creators create and and being able to recreate those um you know in our world i I, you know that that's that's yeah this one is this one's going to be primo for me (laughs) i wish you could see brandy's smile right now it is literally ear to ear and she is like you look like a kid in a candy store you are so ready to create this 
<laughs> What's yes. cool too is, you know, for fans of the video game, we're trying to hit as many of the key environments yeah. that they would know and love from that video game. Yeah. And that includes the military checkpoints in Pittsburgh. In fact, all of the action of the video game is really focused uh, on the Pittsburgh section of the game, but that gives you the military checkpoints, you know, the the part of the town that's controlled by the hunters, which in many ways those guys are are as evil, if not more evil, than the infected and more dangerous. Sure. Um, we're going to take you into the hotel. And one of the cool things, um, and I know it's another uh, one of those scenic things that Brandy's excited about, is, you know, you go into the flooded basement, so it's partially oh. underwater. Which oh, is wow. Wondering, great. Um, and we're going to take you then into the, you know, into the sewers underneath the city where you know, a bunch of people tried to survive and and unsuccessfully, you know, from the infected, and and you're going to be pursued through the infected by the infected throughout the whole experience. Wow! Wow! Isn't it fun to create houses that are like partially underwater, Brandy? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it's a challenge, right? It's like how how do you you know get the guests throughput through through a maze and yeah. still integrate some sort of a water feature and still make you feel like you're underground and things you know you're kind of everything's around you and surrounding you and yeah that's definitely a challenge but I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna do it. This is intense. I know. I'm so excited. I know. I, know, I love it. That's a good one. For sure. All right. Um, two, of course, very strong intellectual properties represented so far. Are there others? Oh, of course. Okay. Um, Universal and Blumhouse has a new movie coming out, and it's uh, The Exorcist Believer. Whoa. And it's actually, um, and you know, if you're a fan of Halloween Horror Nights, you're going to go, oh, well, you guys did The Exorcist. Yeah, we did it twice in the past, but this is all new. So it picks up all these years later, and it's a story about um, two girls who become possessed by a demon, and um, you know their struggles, their family struggles in particular, to exorcise the demons from their body. Um, and this is a unique challenge because we've been working on this in tandem with the film while it's being filmed. So early, early on, uh, myself and my creative counterparts in Orlando, you know, got access to the script. So when we first des started designing this, we just had the script to work with. And then, you know, we started um, being able to see uh, real-time dailies from the film production. So we were seeing things as they were being filmed and getting all of these assets sent to us um, as the film continued to evolve. Um, so it's it's a very unique experience for Halloween Horror Nights in that we are going to be um, op obviously opening in September. So we're like the ultimate trailer for this film, which I think that's is pretty insane. cool. <laughs> that is is that is that the first time that that's been done that you've you've worked. You know, no, we've, it's happened a few times in the past. It's just, um, it's rare that it lines up like this where, you know, you're out in front of the film, you know, you're, the, the trailer will debut, you know, uh, during the summertime. So people will see the trailer and then they'll come to Horror Nights and they'll experience the house. And then they'll go to, to um, you know, movie theaters in October and see it come to life. So that whole um, journey is going to happen over just a few months, which is really cool. So neat. And then go back to Horror Nights to, yeah, right. <laughs> to see what they didn't get the, from the first time. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, you know, when you talk about 
film franchises. This is to me personally, this is the scariest ever made. Mm. And um, I know, you know, the filmmakers and Universal and, and our partners at Blumhouse, you know, their goal is is to, you know, create the scariest movie they could possibly create. And um, that's our intention with Horror Nights as well, is to create the scariest haunted house we could possibly create. I love it. What else we got coming down the pike? What other haunted houses? Well, let's talk about Chucky Ultimate Kill Count. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> break it down. Let's, let's talk. <laughs> You know, and I'm speaking obviously for Hollywood, but, you know, Chucky has had a long history with this event. He's had his own show. He's been part of Terror Tram in the past. But the thing that he's never really had is a haunted house that was 100% dedicated to Chucky. And, you know, we've been friends with and know the creator of Chucky for years and years and years. And it's always been his ultimate desire to have a haunted house based on the entire, you know, franchise that Universal produced. And he had one very specific idea in mind that was the launching off point for everything that we created in collaboration with our um, friends in Orlando. And, and that was he wanted to kind of do the best of the best of the entire Chucky franchise, but he wanted to structure it as Chucky's ultimate kill count. And by kill count, you know, I'm sure you've seen videos for every horror movie ever made. You know, fans always do these videos yep. where they do a kill count. And so out they, they go through the movie and they count up all the kills and all the different ways the villain has killed people. Um, well, with Chucky, that's that's literally part of the show. At the end of each season, you see Chucky sitting by a fire, you know, fireplace in his in his chair, and he goes through all of the kills from the previous <laughs> season, all of the episodes, and counts them all up. And then um, he does that again for season two. So as we were uh, creating this haunted house, uh, we thought that was an awesome idea, and then we gave it a twist. So the idea is. The high concept is that Chucky has hijacked his own house at Halloween Horror Nights in order to create the ultimate kill count by killing every single guest who sets foot inside it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they should come with a warning. So that's something we've never done before. You know, the, the Chucky franchise, what it does so successfully is it combines total crazy, you know, over-the-top gore and scares with humor. Mm -hmm. So we're tapping into both of those things uh, in creating this haunted house. And I'll kick it to Brandy to see if she has something to add on the scenic front of how we're creating Chucky. Uh, definitely gore, <laughs> Chucky, Chucky gore all over the place. Uh, it, you know, it, again, it's like following you know the typical textures and and kind of environments that that Chucky Chucky's world is all about, right? Um, but with this one, we get to have a lot of fun actually graphically with all of the graphics and the fun like Chucky colors. Sure. So there there's going to be a lot of introduction of of that kind of play on um, visuals as well, bringing a lot of that. The red, blue, yellow, Chucky, Chucky environments to life, but um, yeah, you will, you will love the gore factor as far as 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 the scene goes. <laughs> and this is also one of the most technologically advanced or challenging haunted houses we've ever had to create. Oh, interesting. You know, if you know Chucky, he's like two and a half feet tall. You know. Sure. Right. That doesn't translate very easily to a live performer, you know, putting on a mask and putting on a costume. Sure. So we've worked with a, a bunch of really talented mechanical engineers to create 
a whole bunch of animated Chuckies. And uh, that's something we're really excited to bring to the guests. You know, we have Chuckies that walk. We have Chuckies that stab, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's something that we've never done to this extent with any haunted house in the history of Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, I think it definitely pushes the level this year as far as the special effects go. Yeah. I think even not only this house, but in 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 the others as well, the special effect uh, notch for us has definitely been raised this year. Fans of Chucky, you know, they you know, and some celebrity fans, you know, they, and they've tweeted, and some of them have even ended up on the show in in segments they've done where they're like, "I would love to be killed by Chucky," you know, so <laughs> badge of honor. If you'd love to be killed by Chucky, you've come to the right place. Now's your year. We need a T-shirt. I was killed. By I was killed by, killed by Chucky. Yeah, that's a merch <laughs> opportunity. Good idea. Yeah, somebody get on that immediately. <laughs> But we're not done with the intellectual properties that we're right. featuring in this house because next up is Evil Dead Rise, Whoa. which is a, a film that's really a, a rebooting of the Evil Dead franchise. We featured Evil Dead at our event in the past. We did um, one of the movies and we also did the television series Ash versus Evil Dead, but this is entirely new. Um this particular movie and house takes place in Los Angeles, so it's transported from the classic you know, cabin in the woods that's always been the setting for the Evil Dead franchise. And it transports the action to a, a decrepit uh, apartment complex that's about to be demolished in downtown Los Angeles on a dark and rainy night, which is always the perfect start for any horror property or haunted house. Sure. Um, there's a family. Uh, It's a single mother and her kids kind of struggling to get by. There's a big um, earthquake, which causes um, the basement floor to buckle and cracks to open. And buried deep within um, this apartment complex that at one time was a a bank back in the 1920s with vaults, etc. One of the kids finds the Necronomicon, which is in Evil Dead lore, the Book of the Dead. And if you know anything about Evil Dead, um, that book is, you know, inked in human blood and uh, bound in human flesh. And if you read the forbidden phrases or words that are in the book, that will open up a portal from the world of demons and spirits into our own world and allow the demons to possess you. So, of course, you know, that happens. So we have a bunch of demons coming after us, uh, all new characters that have never been seen in Halloween Horror Nights or the previous Evil Dead films or television series. In the Speak of Evil Dead, they are called Deadites, um, and they're coming for you. So as you try to escape this you know, decrepit apartment complex in Los Angeles, you've got Deadites coming at you from every turn. And again, another unique scenic challenge. Brandy, what do you think about trying to recreate this former um, (laughs) Art Deco bank that has been translated into an apartment complex. Well, this one, I mean, again, you know, they're they're all a challenge, you know, but each to their own. And this one architecturally, because you have to stay true to the architecture of the space that they filmed in and the whole Art Deco style. So that continues through. But then it's also how to um, integrate the scare factor and the transition factor in between the worlds, right? So, so being able to utilize, you know, some of the, you know, disappearing walls possibly and, and things like that. 
like that trying to transition the environments from from modern to to the the world you know the world of the dead and and so so it's definitely a challenge architecturally to to maintain um, those looks but then also you know create those transitional spaces where it takes you into another world I can't imagine I just I would love to see like the, just the art on paper and just like what comes out of your mind for those transitions and stuff that's so fascinating to just have to split your brain and think about it, you know, from the guest perspective, how they're going to make those transitions. Wow. I think what like a lot of our fans don't realize is how much of it is hand drawn. You know, they think about, you know, you think about technology these days and design and you think about, you know, uh, 3D computer design programs, but really the work that uh, Chris Williams, our art director, production designer, Brandy and our entire team does is, is hand drawn. I write. I write everything. You know. I come up with the ideas working directly with Chris, and then once he's um, he and I have kind of locked what the creative is. I write a, a treatment, and Brandy, you've, you've read my treatments. They're like a hundred. They're at least a hundred pages each. Oh my goodness! In, in addition to all of the details for our team and and the narrative part of it, sure. there's a lot of you know there's a lot of photo reference that we dig up and research from the shows or movies that we're dealing with. And then once I have all of that together, I hand it off to Chris, Brandy, and the team. And then you maybe Brandy, you could really quick just take them through the art package. Like what what is involved in translating a haunted house from the written word to you know something that somebody can actually build? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so the idea is that you know when Chris is working with John, he's working on a layout. So it's basically a ground plan, and it's from the beginning of the house to the end, and it's the flow, and it's the scare, the scare put as as well. <laughs> so it's also working in the other thing that a lot of uh, fans don't realize is it's working in accessibility for all of the actors oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to get into places and how to get out and and you know have to go through crowds possibly to get in and out so it's working in all of those nuances of a maze as well so then basically once we have a ground plan finished which is you know our our our, our houses are typically around 4000 square feet so they're they're pretty big pretty big spaces to deal with. So we generally have, you know, about 20 rooms to a house. And then I actually manage a crew of set designers. I have uh, 10 set designers currently working for me. And and basically every set designer has a certain style and they all hand draft. Everybody does hand drawing and hand drafting on our end of the process. And I basically assign each of them a room because they have a certain style and a certain look that we want to get. And the reason that we still do a lot of it um, by hand is it, it kind of helps not only to get the visual kind of context that Chris is looking for on the paper, but when we put it through to our colorist, basically the colorist can just take the original hand drawing and just throw some color on it. And it already has, it has the texture and the shading and just the quality behind the artwork is already there. So that's why basically all of our stuff is still hand-drawn. And then, of course, I work really closely with the tech department who will turn everything arty into the CAD work and the construction side of things, you know. So that's that's pretty much the process. We have a big, thick package by the time we're done with the house. And what I don't think a lot of fans know, when when Brandy references, you know, I have a team of 10, you know, designers that are drawing away, 
uh, a lot of those people are are film and TV folks because we're in Hollywood. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Randy and Chris are able to tap into people who are doing some of the biggest movies out there, you know. And then they, but they love to to moonlight for us because mm-hmm. you know, they, like like all of our you know wonderful, dedicated, passionate fans, you know, a lot of them are big fans of horror nights, and they and they like to step away from the world of movies and TV and and work on something different because it's exciting and fun for them. But for us, we benefit from all that talent. Yeah, definitely. And and what's funny too is like I, I would say over half of my crew that I have have been actually with us since the beginning. So they've all been kind of lifers like us. <laughs> that's the art book that's, I want on my yeah. coffee table. That's my <laughs> that's my macabre sense of humor. I want like the hand drawn Halloween horror nights renderings on I, my there, coffee there's table. There's such a history at this point. Yeah, I mean there should, honestly. For sure. That's amazing. Well, well, hearing about the creative process makes me wonder. You know, now we're now we're kind of moving into some of the original concepts for our yeah. haunted houses, right? So, so now we're we're getting to create, uh, you know, I, ideas that are that are from your very own minds, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a totally different process. So, like when I'm going, let's say I'm working on a movie, um, typically one of the first things I request is to go through all of what's called the unit photography for a film. Mm. So every every single day when a movie's on location or filming in a soundstage, there's always a photographer clicking away, clicking away, clicking away. And what they're doing is, you know, some of those stills in a very, very, very small fraction of them will be eventually released as like publicity stills. Mm. But the vast majority of them are used for things like continuity. And you know what I mean by continuity? Like sure. there's a glass on a table and it's half full of water and then they go mm. away on a lunch break. And they come back, and if somebody doesn't check to make sure that glass is half full of water, suddenly it disappears. And you see, you know, mistakes like that in movies and TV all the time. So typically on a movie, it's not uncommon for me to go through 40,000 images to find maybe three, four hundred images that I'm going to ask to get pulled. And then I'll I'll give all that material to Chris and Brandy so they have visual reference for the things that I'm writing and describing. Now, when you're dealing with an original house, that all goes out the window. Oh, of <laughs> course. You, you can't just go, okay, here's my idea. What that that turns into endless research on on my end on trying to find things that are visual reference for the things I'm you know working up uh, creating with Chris. Um, to be representative of things that are ultimately going to inform the design. And now we're going to talk about a house that's near and dear to my heart, and that's our latest iteration of Universal Monsters, Universal Monsters Unmasked. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the Universal Monsters. You know, I saw Frankenstein when I was four years old, and I was immediately hooked, and I've always been obsessed with those characters. And I want to say this is, I believe, the fifth and you guys can fact check me but i believe it's the fifth universal monsters house that we've done at halloween horror nights in hollywood it started back in 2008 with um universal monsters which was pretty much like throw the kitchen sink at it right it was like (laughs) every monster we could possibly have in the house and once that was so well received by our fans we've been kind of spinning them off in the subsequent years so this year being uh the 100th anniversary of what i would consider to be the very first film in the universal classic monsters franchise which is um 1923's hunchback of notre dame 
I really wanted to focus on like the silent movies, the the movies like Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame that really kickstarted this whole franchise. Wow! And so um, that was my idea going in, and then I collaborated with my um, partner in Orlando, Charles Gray. Um, Charles Gray was down with that idea, but he also kind of wanted to have the Invisible Man featured in the house. And then as we got further into design, we came across a really obscure Universal classic monster movie, although the title is very well known, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mm -hmm. um, way back before the studio even moved to Hollywood, which was 1915. So even before that, Universal made what's called a two-reeler, which means it's about 20-something minutes long, (laughs) so it's short, on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So because he's a, a part of our heritage, we thought, great, let's fold Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde into this as well, because we've never featured them at the event before. So then we needed a setting for like, well, where where are all these characters going to be existing and where is the setting? So as I was doing research, I kind of landed on um, Paris, which is kind of obvious because Phantom of the Opera, you know, you think of the Paris Opera House, of course, that's in Paris. You think of Hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame <laughs> to Americans. Um <laughs> Uh, of course, that's set in Paris, um, but we needed to get the Invisible Man or Dr. Jack Griffin and um, Dr. Jekyll to Paris as well. And of course, you know, the Invisible Man is from England and uh, the story with um, Dr. Jekyll is also based in London. So we thought, well, the police chased him out of London for all their nefarious experiments. So they've now fled to Paris and everybody, all of these characters have literally gone underground. Again, another totally different, you know, scenic challenge for Brandy and team. So I'll kick it to Brandy to talk about the scenic. Yeah, absolutely. And what was funny was, John, while you were setting this up, this whole visual just popped into my head about the black and white movies and actually the whole color scheme of our original house here. It kind of lends itself to that. Of course, we use, you know, color paints and stuff, but it still has that very kind of black and white tone feel of the old movies as you walk through this uh, house. So so I'm excited about that. It just, you know, kind of came to me. But anyway, recreating those underground ossuaries. Oh, this one, we 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 nailed this one because <laughs> we were able to really get some, again, I, I say texture a lot um, because that is my world, but all of those those skull and bone ossuary textures throughout the wall or d- throughout the house in this one are so strong and so amazing. And again, trans the transitions going from, you know, in in the sewer, out of the sewer, in the ossuary, out of the ossuary, you know, it's all those really, really deep transitions of stonework and the old castle, you know, the, that old castle feel. So I think, again, um, this one, I, I'm excited about the original side of this. Plus, original houses for us give us an opportunity to reuse kind of assets that we've saved um, from from prior years. Some things that, you know, we get to catalog and, and items that we get to repurpose. So, so, so the uh, original houses, I, I quite adore, actually. <laughs> we have the same thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. I was say what Brandy's referencing is we have a huge offsite facility that's essentially like a movie prop house. You know, we never throw anything away at Horror Nights um, uh, that we don't have to. So furniture, you know, set pieces, we've got it all computer catalog these days. Um, there's actually, actually like a whole area just for clocks. 
You know, it literally <laughs> is like a prop house when you walk in there. Very and a cool. lot of times we get inspiration for what we were going to design the following year by just walking through there and going, wow, look at all this cool medieval stuff we've got. Well, mm -hmm. I'm going to design a medieval torture chamber in the next haunted house we do. And then as we evolved, you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame and I'm researching the old silent movie, um, it's like, oh, wow, you know, there's a, there's a medieval torture seat in that movie. Perfect. You know, we finally have, you know, an opportunity to use these props. So it's, it's great to be able to tap into, you know, this rich history that we have with Horror Nights and, and, and bring all of this to life for our guests. Not to mention the eagle-eyed fans that get, get extreme <laughs> satisfaction from oh, yeah. seeing that prop reused and going, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. I remember that from that thing. That's like, for me, the ultimate fan moment is like, oh, I was there when it was in the first house. And now I'm here again. I'm feeling it's full circle. Blows my mind how detailed our fans yeah. get. You know, I, yep. I speak at a lot of horror conventions, and I, I, you know, have a lot of interaction with our fan base. And and it inevitably, whenever I'm doing that, someone will come up to me with a question, going, "Okay, in a haunted house you did last year, in the, in this one scene, there was a chair, and I remember that was the chair from blah 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 blah." <laughs> you know, and they'll go through every single haunted house that that particular chair was used in, yep. and they're like, well, "Why did you use that chair?" And I'm like. Because we have it. Because <laughs> you know? it looked right. <laughs> They're like expecting some like, you know, some deep secret, you know, multiverse type reason why that chair is in that scene. And it's like, well, we have a lot of chairs, but that one seemed to really fit that scene. But it's, it's good chair. you know, what that really speaks to is the passion of oh, our absolutely. fan base and the fan base of all the parks that do Halloween Horror Nights. We're extremely lucky and privileged to have such a dedicated you know, passionate fan base that that obsesses over all these details because sure. that's what we did when we were kids. You know, whether it was a movie or or a theme park attraction, we were the same way. Us too. Yeah. Yep. Well, I I think they respond to quality. I mean, they sure. They this is yeah a great absolutely. event. It is worthy of that uh, attention to detail. So. That's kind of what we shoot for. We shoot for the, you know, we want to nail all the details and then we want to go above and beyond. And it's for our fan base. It's, that's what we're always shooting for is, is to give them, you know, not only a great experience, but things to talk about mm -hmm. <laughs> amongst other fans. Well, I'm excited to chat about a couple of these other original content houses. Um, sure. Is there a Latin house that I'm hearing about? There sure is, yeah. <gasps> Tell me more about that. You know, last year, if we go back to Halloween Horror Nights 2022, I think if you talk to our fans, the thing that they came away with as, as I think it's fair to say their favorite house of the event was La Llorona, um, wow. which is actually a house that Chris and I and Brandy, we all uh, originally created for the event 10 years previous, you know, <gasps> All the way back to, you know, 2011, 2012, we had, um, and then we did in 2013, we did El Cucue, which was kind of in the same vein, taking these, you know, Latin American myths and legends and bringing them to life. Um, and then we kind of stopped doing that for a number of years. So, um, honestly... I guess going back to 2021, we did we took the Universal Plaza and we turned it into a celebration of Day of the Dead. Mm. Um, and we paid a, a lot of attention and worked with a lot of different people at Universal to make sure all of the cultural details would be exactly right. Um, and, and that really resonated with our fans. That was a hugely popular, you know, honestly, food and beverage area with some characters and props and dressing. And that really gave us the idea in 2022 to revisit La Llorona. And after the success of it last year, we went, 
what's next? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Let's keep rolling with this because, you know, for Los Angeles has such a, you know, a rich, long history uh, with, uh, of Latino culture. The, it's the very name itself. Um, mm. And we really wanted to tap into that. Um, so, as again, we started researching uh, uh, all the different characters and legends that come from not only Mexico, but all of South America and Central America. And eventually we came up with this idea that we're calling monstros, the monsters of Latin America, which is uh, Spanish for monsters. Mm. What we wanted to do was to combine several different characters into one house. And the setting for this is this really creepy kind of abandoned graveyard. And it's it's the graveyard for all of the lost souls that have been killed over the years or taken by all of these different creatures. And presiding over this graveyard is an original character we created that we call Muerte, which is Spanish for death. And he's kind of like a, a Latin American Grim Reaper. And he talks to us and he narrates the house for us. Wow. Um, and he's digging a grave out in front of the house when you're first arriving. And he's telling you all about these different monsters that exist. And specifically, we're kind of dividing them into uh, two different groups, but three different monsters total. One uh, group is like witches. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically, we're dealing with a character called, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce it because it, if you look at the spelling of this word, it is one of the most difficult words I've ever seen to pronounce. But it's uh, here. I'll, I'll try with my, um, you know, Spanish high school two years I took of <laughs> Spanish in high school. But it's uh, Talalahupuchi, and um, that character goes way back. That character goes all the way back, possibly to Aztec times, wow. and it's a vampire. But it's not like a vampire like Dracula or any other vampire you might have heard of. Uh, it's a Tlalhupuchi, could be you or could be me, could be anybody. Um, typically, they live with a family, they grow up, and then as they kind of you know, reach um, their teenage years, they suddenly realize who they are and they transform. Um, they have a very specific ceremony they have to do to transform. It involves, you know... All of you know, setting a fire in the middle of your kitchen, and all of these you know herbs and spices and specific ways you have to walk back and forth across the room. But then their legs detach, oh and gosh. they change into an animal, and most most typically into a, a vulture or a turkey vulture. Um, and then they fly once they're a vulture to the house of their intended victim. They prey on people, but they don't bite people. They suck their blood through their skin, and they predominantly prey on children, oh, yeah. which makes it even that much more creepy. Yeah. So Talalupuchi is one of the main characters we encounter in our house. And we also encounter what's called Lalachuza, which translates to the owl or the owl witch. And that's that's a legend that's predominantly in Mexico and in areas of the United States like Texas. And the story, I'll give you the short version of the story. It's basically <laughs> like an old woman in a village that the villagers suspected of being a witch. They put her to death. She comes back as an owl with the face of an old woman to take revenge on the people who wronged her. So she's a, a part owl, part creepy old witch. And then the last character that we're featuring is El Silbon, uh, which translates to the Whistler. And that is a story from... Um, Venezuela and other parts of Latin America. Um, he is known for his whistle, 
and it has a very like it's kind of cool because they actually you know even though the story is is goes back a long 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 time um they actually know the notes of the whistle so we can recreate it exactly uh and he's another one of those legends. Um, a lot of these myths and legends, there's multiple versions of the story, but the most common one is kind of a spoiled brat of a kid who who uh, falls in love with a woman that the father does not approve of. The father ends up murdering his beloved, and in a fit of rage, the son kills his father. And then granddad comes home <laughs> and, and, and goes, what have you done, you know? Um, so he does all these horrible things to his son. He whips him until the flesh comes off his back. He sets wild dogs upon him. And and basically, and the twist is he gives him a sack and he puts the bones of the murdered, you know, father of this kid in this sack and tells him, you are condemned forever to carry the bones of your murdered father on your back. So this guy disappears into the woods. But when he reemerges, he is this towering figure um, carrying the bones of not only his father, but all of the people that he has preyed on, on his back. And those are the three main characters in this particular house. <laughs> These are rich legends. Man, you want to talk about nightmares. My goodness. Brandon, you got to like... be having a field day with this house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So again, you know, it's trying to set, it's trying to set the time period, it's trying to set the architecture in that right uh, Latin American feel. So we're visiting those, those graveyards, and we're doing all that research on, you know, integrating the colors and the color palettes from that. So this one definitely has has that rich kind of Adobe, Adobe texture feel to it, you know, and then the, I, I absolutely adore actually actually these characters that we have in this yeah. maze because it really allowed us uh, inside the rooms itself where we find like La Lechuza, um, our character, you know, is just full of like feathers and, and just all kinds of just lots of, you know, animal textures and things around. And then again, you know, following the transitions, you know, from story to story, um, actually, uh, the most exciting part of this house, I think, is going to be the, you know, the introduction of the El Sibon and, and his sack of of bony parts and things because <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this. It's basically larger than life. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. just as a tease, uh, as we were doing, you know, Elsa Bond typically preys on drunks and womanizers. <laughs> <laughs> that's his, you know, that's where he focuses his wrath. And um, so there's a little village and, uh, you know, uh, that that he is attacking. But when you come out of that, I was just talking to Chris and I was like, God, uh, after he's killed all these people, his, his sack of bones must be enormous. Wouldn't it be mm. cool to go inside that? Whoa. And I'll leave it there. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that gave me chills. That's great. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, good, good tease. Yeah. yeah, this is, I think... You know, the, the trick with all of this is make it relevant to um, our uh, guests of Latino heritage that have grown up with these stories and hit every detail. And we work really, really closely with um, all the members on our team um, and uh, others to make sure that the uh, authenticity, wow, I can actually <laughs> say that word, authenticity 
is perfect. But then also we, you know, the reason we have the narrator character is to help, you know, explain the story to anybody who might not have grown up with the story so that they understand it as well. And the other way we communicate that is visually through artwork. So this house has these beautiful murals that are being created by our resident in-house artist, Lucas Colshaw. If, if our fans remember Bride of Frankenstein Lives, where we created that giant you know, book and you went through and there were all those beautiful pages with illustrations. Um, that was the work of Lucas Colshaw. He is doing a whole lot of original artwork for this year's event, not only Monstros, but he's creating some amazing kind of like silent movie title cards for our Universal cool. Monsters house. Oh, wow. And he's creating all of the incredible postcards for the last of our original houses, which is Holidays in Hell. Oh, oh cool. nice. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay. So we're you know, we having Christmas yeah. in hell? Is that what this is? All the holidays in hell. Oh, All come on now. That's Arbor great. And, we're this, and this this house is backed by popular demand. This was an original house we did a few years ago. Um, it was a huge hit with our guests. Um, so we're bringing it back. Um, the kind of leaping off point for this haunted house is I just happened to be, don't ask me why, I was researching Victorian Christmas cards. <laughs> As you <laughs> did. Like, you know, you know, the 1800s. And sure. and I was just marveling at how incredibly creepy they were. I was like, who sure. actually mailed this to their relatives? You know, even Santa Claus looked like a horror movie character. I was like, this is oh. just freaky. And then I kind of played out that thread and I started looking at, you know, postcards for the different holidays of the year. And it just uh, kind of went, wow, there's something here. And um, we had done a scare zone even before the house that was done by our uh, our colleague Pat Quinn, Patrick Quinn, who does all of the park decor and scare zone content for Halloween Horror Nights. And Pat had done a scare zone along these lines. So Chris and I and Pat all got together and created this haunted house. So it takes you through all of the holidays of the year, but as if it was a horror movie. So, you know, New Year's, Christmas, Valentine's Day, you know, Easter, St. Patty's Day, Fourth of July, Halloween, et cetera, et cetera, oh. all rendered as if you're you're going through a horror movie, but all inspired by creepy old postcards that you know Lucas has created his own versions of that are that are just gorgeous and horrifying. It's amazing. Inspiration like really coming from anywhere here. Truly. <laughs> and for some people, Valentine's Day is a horror movie, so that's gonna hit really close to home, <laughs> you know? But I think for Brandy and her team, one of the the challenges, but also I would imagine the fun part of it is all the variety that you sure, get to yeah, tap yeah. into, Brandy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, we can kind of go from, you know, a typical interior house to something that's a little bit more imagined, uh, you know, like how is where is Valentine's playing out, you know? So it's it's creating those environments for what is that environment, what is that Valentine scenario, right? Um, and then I think with this one as well, because it was uh, it was a popular fan base one, um, being able to uh, to to do it and actually add, we were able to add some more space to it this year and actually get get some of the rooms a little bit more voluminous and and you know have a little bit more time within each room as well. So you know again you know taking the textures and the colors of Easter and transitioning you know from you know St. Patty's Day and then you know fireworks and July Fourth. So so this was a fun one being able to introduce. Um, you know, all of those different transitions and spaces. This would be a house I would very much enjoy. Yeah. I'm less I'm less of a monster girl, more of like a 
Christmas, but scary. You know, I would be very into this. I dig. Yeah. Christmas is scary. It can be. I was going to say, I don't, it depends on how you feel, you it know, hanging around be. your family and stuff. I know. <laughs> it's different for everybody. Now, as we know, uh, at least one of these haunted houses does connect to a scare zone or does dump into a scare zone. Is that right? Yeah, Monstros. Okay. Monstros in Latin America dumps into a scare zone that is also going to have a Latin American theme. And then that scare zone feeds into the Universal Plaza, which will be the, the next iteration of our Day of the Dead theme. Um, and you might see the character of La Llorona roaming around there this year. Oh, back. Because she's such a fan favorite, I've been... I've been telling Pat, who, you know, again, creates our park decor and, and our scare zone content. I'm like, yeah, I think we need La Llorona in there somewhere because mm-hmm. she's just, you know, in the pantheon of Latin American legends and myths. She she stands above them all as far as the thing I think people are most afraid of. So oh, for sure, if you're most afraid of it, that has a place in Halloween Horror Nights. You bet. <laughs> Any other cool scare zones we can expect? We're looking to do a scare zone riffing off toys. You know, you mentioned Christmas and and Christmas is, you know, can be scary. Well, toys, you know, especially old toys are also one of those things. If you're doing research, you know, looking at old dolls and any old toys from, say, 50 years ago or even older, are they're inherently creepy and spooky. So we're bringing that to life. Of course, we're going to have our chainsaw troops. And and some unexpected things along the way as well for guests to discover that, you know, you know, maybe we don't talk about as loudly. But I think for Hollywood, the thing that is so unique to Universal Studios Hollywood and so ingrained with our brand of Halloween Horror Nights is the Terror Tram. Oh, yeah. Yes, I've been I've been dying to ask because yes. that is like so unique to Universal Studios Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much I mean, I've been going to Universal Studios Hollywood since. 1972 as a guest, you know, and the first time I rode the studio tour, even way back in those days when I was just a tiny little kid, just seeing the place where all of these famous movies were filmed, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a wonder that I've never outgrown. And even to this day, I, I, I must have walked, you know, past the Psycho House at least a thousand times <laughs> in my life, if not 10,000 and I've never once walked past the Psycho House where I haven't stopped in my tracks, stood there, and looked at that house and thought, that is the house <laughs> from Psycho, from Alfred Hitchcock's classic 1960 thriller. It's probably the most famous, you know, still standing film set um, from that era or any era in the world of, of the genre of horror. And what What's so unique about Terror Tram is it's, you know, of course we have the studio tour and we take our guests around the back lot and they get to experience all these incredible sets. But during Halloween, it's the one time of year where you get to get off the tram and walk through these sets. And the sets I'm talking about in particular, of course, are the Bates Motel from Psycho, the Psycho House, the incredible plane crash set from you know, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. And um, and last year, the addition of the Nope sets from Jordan Peele's movie. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. So to be able to walk through those sets populated by a cast, you know, far bigger than any cast you'll see in a haunted house or a scare zone, um, that's just, nobody has anything like that. That's just, we're the only people, the only place in the world where you can experience something like that. So we've been doing Terror Tram all the way back to 2006, and every year we look for a new twist and a new way to um, to energize it. And um, this year, 
we came back to an idea that we first did as a scare zone. I want to say it was in 2015, but it was one of my favorite scare zones. And we never did a haunted house based on it. We never did anything else based on it, just the one year. And I always thought there was more to be mined there. So now we're bringing this concept that started as a scare zone to TerraTram with TerraTram, the exterminators. And the basic premise of that scare zone was, you know, for decades, humans have been dumping, you know, all sorts of things into the sewers underneath our cities and into the ground and polluting the air. And, you know, I thought inevitably there's going to be some kind of evolution, you know, where all of these things affect, you know, primarily insects. And when you look at insects, I, I think I looked it up. There's over, I don't even know how big this word is, but a quintillion. There's like a quintillion number of insects on planet Earth. And I thought, well, what if these insects evolved and they formed insect-human hybrids? And then they formed, and then to go one further, they formed their own exterminator or pest control company. But the pests they're trying to control or exterminate are us, the humans, because of all the things we've done to planet Perfect. Earth. You know, How the tables have turned. <laughs> So it's an environmental horror story, you know. But, you know, horror has always done that. Horror has always tapped into the existential threats of our time, whether yeah. it was atomic bomb back in the days of Godzilla and all those crazy, you know, sci-fi movies that were made in the 50s. That's something that horror always does. So it seems appropriate to create a story like Exterminator. So we, in doing this, we created an all-new character uh, who is kind of like an icon character for TerraTram. He's going to be featured on the onboard video that you see when you're driving down to the back lot, but also created as a character that you're going to experience multiple times as you go through TerraTram. And his name is Larry Larva. <laughs> and he, <laughs> I love Larry. And he's kind of like those, you know, do you ever see those late night infomercials where they're trying to sell you something yeah, yeah. in the middle of the night on TV? And usually they're really low budget. But the one thing they always have in common is they have some guy just yelling at you, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and just like way too much exuberance. <laughs> so we kind of modeled Larry Larva after that. So he's, um, as I mentioned, he's a human insect hybrid, but he's a, He's specifically a flybot larva. So if flies lay, this is really gross. Do you mind if I get really gross for Please. a second? This is I think a Halloween base, horror night. Absolutely. Yeah. I think our fan if base not can do now, it. then when? So if flies land on you and they lay their eggs in your flesh, larva grows and it forms like a boil on your skin and then they pop out of it extremely disgusting. Oh, awesome. So we basically took Larry and we gave him flesh like a fly larva, but then he's got like, um, kind of like riffing on, I think it's tropophobia, you know, fear oh, of irregular oh, holes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. People hate that. So we always study psychology and then we turn it against our guests because, you know, that's our job. So Truly twisted. <laughs> he's got all these holes all over his face, but he's got these nasty maggots dangling out of them. Um, so he, he's absolutely repulsive, but he's, he's the guy, he's the head of this exterminators company and then working for him, he's got these other human insect hybrids, everything from, you know, flies to roaches to murder hornets, praying mantis, moths, ants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as you go through the different zones of the back lot, you encounter, you know, Larry Larva, but also different versions of these exterminators that are trying to exterminate you. 
So that's basically the concept in a nutshell. I think Larry Larva needs so, to exterminate his face a little yeah, bit. Exfoliate his face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Woo. What? What, a what an incredible lineup. Yeah. I mean, from beginning to end, yeah. the, the, the creativity and, and hearing you guys talk about it with such passion and, and, and hearing about all the artistry involved. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. I, yeah. I, I love this event because it's fun and scary, but I love this event because there's so much creativity and craftsmanship that goes into it every yeah, single year. And these brilliant minds get to flex. I know. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> and that really speaks to the team that works on this event. You know, not only myself and Chris Williams and Brandy and Pat Quinn and Lucas Colshaw, who we mentioned, but all the men and women that work on this event. We're, we're incredibly uh-huh. blessed to have such a dedicated team of not only talented people, but extremely passionate people. They love this event as much as our fans love it, and they give every single ounce to bring it to life every single year. And um, and I think it shows in the product. Yeah, and that's where we get that's where we get our gratification too, right? Is like uh, when we're standing out there the night of the event, and and we get to watch those guests pour out of those mazes, and you get to see. Um, the reactions, you know, the crying, yeah. the screaming, yeah. the yelling, the falling on the floor, <laughs> the the super excited, the let's do it again. And then we're standing there like, yeah, this is why we do this. This is what it's all about. You nailed it. And you can feel <laughs> y'all's passion as well for this. And and not only this event, but I mean, sort of the, the Halloween vibe in general, which brings me to a very important question okay. before we leave. I want to know, Brandy and John, what is your favorite type of scare or gag or special effect that you've seen or experienced or even created in uh, one of these haunted houses or scare zones as part of Halloween Horror Nights? Hmm. Well, I'm speaking for this year. I'm particularly excited about all of these Chuckies (laughs) that we've created (laughs) working with these, you know, incredibly talented in-house mechanical engineers. You know, these are the these are the men and women that you know, uh, work on all of our rides and keep all the animatronics working. And we've never really delved into this area with Horror Nights before because we just didn't think it was possible. If you know anything, I've, I've designed rides in my previous life with Universal Creative, and I know everything that goes into, you know, how complicated and, and how time-consuming it is to do that. Um, but these guys were big fans of Horror Nights, and they approached us uh, last year, and they helped us out with a bunch of special effects and working in um, conjunction with our main special effects lead, which is David Borning. They you know, said, hey, I think we can do more than you wrote, which is – that just never happens for well, me as a creative director. Like I, I wrote like, okay, this Chucky has one arm, and it moves up and down, you know? When I envisioned it, I was trying to be realistic, and I was like, okay, you know, this Chucky will have an arm that moves up and down. Maybe this Chucky's head moves left to right. And then the next thing I knew, uh, after some, you know, amazing R&D, research and design on their end, all of a sudden they were showing me videos of walking Chuckies and things I never even imagined. And they said, I think we can do all of this for you. And um, that, to me, is something I didn't even expect was possible with Halloween Horror Nights. And I'll turn it over to Brandy. Yeah. Wow, good one. Um, so I think like because my world is all about the visuals, my favorite part, um, and this kind of goes, this runs a gamut for all of them, is when we're able to cause misdirection. So oh, I'm yeah. so we're creating those environments and those looks for you to really pay attention to, and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, you <laughs> get hit from from one a scare factor beside you or something that you didn't notice. So our job is to make you focus on 
what's out here and what's in front and what you're looking what you're looking at and you're getting you know pulled into that environment so that you don't pay attention to where those scares are coming from so so those are my favorite moments that and when they work you you know it and that's again that's where we get to sit back in that gratification of ha ha got ya. <laughs> you know? to use an analogy from our exterminators bug themed teratram you know we're kind of like in essence, uh, a giant bug zapper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're that bright light that the people are going, "Hey, look at that bright light!" And then you get zapped. David and I have definitely been victims of misdirection every time. Every time. <laughs> I'm trying to look at the details, and they're trying to scare me. My goodness. Well, this is awesome. Uh, we want to thank you for spending your afternoon with us. We got such incredible little tips and tricks and information and VIP explanations uh, from these rock stars. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, once once again, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Hollywood runs through October 31st this year. We're so excited. Thank you again, John and Brandy, for joining us. We'll, we'll see you out there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. <laughs> that was fascinating. Wowie, wow, wow. What a great opportunity to talk to them. I mean, I feel like we're getting like a masterclass in creative production yeah, and absolutely. horror and history and and how cool that they're in Hollywood like John absolutely. said I mean they they have the benefit of being around the the top creative minds right. in filmmaking and storytelling and immersion right there in their backyard incredible awesome i i can't wait i mean uh, some of the the movie based uh, houses really excited me yeah the original houses that they were talking about sounded so creative too Definitely. i loved hearing all like the folklore and everything like those are some some creepy stories. I didn't I, know those. I want to read John's treatments, like he said. The hundred page yeah. treaties. Yes, yes, of course. That sounds awesome. Well, maybe we'll have to plan another little Hollywood adventure here in the future, David. I love it. Sounds great. I'll see you on the terror tram. You know it. <laughs> Thanks so much to John and Brandy for being our interviewees today. Thank you, of course, to Art, our sound engineer, Michelle, our executive producer. David, thank you to you, as always. Thank you, Scary Carrie. Thank you to our listeners. We will catch you guys on the flip side. Did you love this episode? Leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn more about universal destinations and experiences? Head to the show notes for more information, including the Discover Universal blog with links to articles, videos, and this podcast.